This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. I got everything set up and then Arthur was like, Mommy, I just spilled my drink on the new sofa. And it's Ribena. <gasps> yeah, and the new cushions. I hope you took notice of the advice we've given over the years and you dabbed, not rubbed. I dabbed, Kate, but it's not coming off. The, is that velvet? Yeah. The trouble is when you have velvet, you can you can remove the Ribena stain and end up with a watermark. Haven't even had them a week. Chuff with that. Bicarb of soda. You make a little paste and you put it on and then you hoover it off when it's dried. I haven't got time to dab. We've got a podcast to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have to buy a new cushion then. There you go. Hello and welcome to The Great Indoors. The podcast which reveals everything you ever needed to know about interiors and explains how to make it all really work for you in your home. I'm Sophie Robinson. And I'm Kate Watson-Smythe. And first, a huge shout out to our insiders who are steadily growing in number. As a member of The Great Indoors Insiders Club, you get to support the podcast, enjoy ad-free listening and bonus content, including our very exciting free webinar on the 9th of November, which is only available to insiders. So become a friend of the show today by visiting thegreatindoorspodcast.com and start enjoying the benefits. Oh, anyway, here I am. I'm having my own little purple moment. Do you like my new dress? It's a really good colour, actually. You never wear that colour. I never wear that colour, but I'm really drawn to this sort of like autumnal berry burgundy at the moment. It's actually like the colour of my new living room, isn't it? It's actually sort of like aubergine brown plum burgundy. Needless to say, I have an entire wardrobe of that colour. <laughs> <laughs> but, hold on, check this out. But I've paired it with bright pink tights and trainers. No, I haven't got those. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, which you're probably not going to do. I've bought myself some burgundy needle cord jeans as well and a neon pink cashmere sweater. So I'm kind of going neon pink, blush pink, burgundy. I'm going navy, cream, camel and silver. <gasps> That's where I'm at. Oh, listen, listen to that coo. You silver. sound like a turtle dove. Silver. What have you got? I've what? bought a pair of silver trousers. <laughs> My husband says I look like I'm going to NASA. I was not expecting that. Are they leather? Well, they're, they're pleather. Um, silver pleather trousers. What the actual? So we are both having complete, like, so I've gone brown and burgundy. Yeah. Meanwhile, yeah. you've gone sparkly silver. Well, they're not that sparkly, actually. I did, I was out at the weekend and I saw someone in proper silver trousers, which were like silver sequin. Mine are not that. I mean, you're going to look at them and in that charming way you have when it comes to me, you're going to say, oh, they look like shiny grey. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) I suppose so. They're not sequins. They are silver, but um, they're quite exciting. Oh my God, I need to up the ante. Do they make a shushy sound when you walk? No, they don't. They don't. No shushing. I don't I don't want conversations with my clothes. Anyway, should we get on with the show? Well, I suppose we ought to. I'm quite interested in talking about clothes, but let's, let's move on. <laughs> so, Kate, I want to talk to you about sex education. I beg your pardon? Is it? <laughs> this is a podcast about interiors. Are we talking about a sex house? Well, no, no. But do you, do you watch sex education? It's had 40 million views. 
streaming the first series already. I do not. And I could actually make all sorts of jokes about how I don't need educating, but we'll just we'll just leave that and you can tell me what you're talking about. Well, the show is basically about this main character, Otis, whose mum, Jean Melbourne, is a sex therapist. And Otis is kind of high school age and he sort of sets up early on in the in the series his own sex therapy for teenagers which he does around the back of sort of like derelict school wc block and it's really funny and it's basically about kids going through that awkward phase of yeah working out sex attraction all that kind of stuff but it set the backdrop of this amazing house where Jean Milburn lives which is this sort of like arts and crafts house set in a valley it's so beautiful and the reason why it's on my sort of radar is anybody who loves the show aesthetically it's brilliant the outfits the interiors everything's so super cool which is why Kate I think you'll be really drawn in but her house which I think loads of fans of the show have been drooling over. It's got loads of kind of like William Morris-esque kind of vibes going through it. It's a really beautiful house. It's just come on the market with Knight Frank. Oh, okay. I mean, I did wonder why we were discussing that. I was thinking, oh, sex education, is it a house? Are they doing, you know, have they found a new shade of red for the boudoir? Are they offering <laughs> discounts on feather boas? But no, it's the house. Okay. So that, I got to say, that's quite a tenuous link for a house that's for sale, but I'm going with it now. I'm back in the room. And um, while you were talking, I was on the Google. <laughs> and I see now, so it's in Herefordshire, which for our overseas listeners is next to Wales, but it is listed as a Norwegian-style chalet built in 1912 as a salmon fishing lodge. And it's on the market for 1.5 mil. Oh, I'll have two. it was quite interesting as well having a look at the pictures inside the house because obviously it's been dressed differently for the tv show so it was really interesting to see what had been set dressed and um and what was real but it's got i mean it's got everything you you could want kate it's got a pizza oven it's got a beautiful conservatory it has a chapel oh and a swedish hot tub oh i get it so you can sweat in one and repent in the other brilliant I'm in. But what's really interesting is I was approached by a journalist earlier this month to talk about the aesthetics of sex education because, as I said, I'm drooling over this fishing lodge chalet with its kind of arts and crafts William Morris vibe. Whereas all the young people in the show, they're obviously, you know, much younger Gen Zs, and there's a very strong kind of like pastel rainbow kind of vibe going on and it got me thinking about generational decor and how there's certain generations who'll be drooling over Jean Melbourne's house with all its burgundies and leafy greens and lovely kind of like William Morris blues. And how old is she? Just fill us in. So she's our age, I'd say. I'd say. <laughs> so she's a, are we going with Gen X? I'd say she's a Gen Xer, yeah. She's a Gen Xer. And then obviously her son Otis will be in the Gen Z, which is all the rainbow pastels. It's a totally different thing. And I just thought this could be an interesting topic. Generational decor and how different generations 
decorate the colours we're drawn to, the design motifs. Is that ever something you've thought about? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because, um, I mean, first of all, we should probably just fill people in. They won't necessarily remember, but I don't necessarily remember this. But you've got, you've got actually, the person who explains this best is a comedian on Instagram. I don't know if you follow him. He's... And TikTok and Oh, he's YouTube. everywhere. Okay, well, I, you know, <laughs> yes. I am so not Gen Z that I don't know about those other platforms. Uh, I'm very Gen X. <laughs> Instagram but he's called Jake Lambert and he's really funny because his his whole kind of shtick is about how different generations do different things from you know answering the telephone to visiting people and every time I think oh yeah this won't be very funny or whatever this is quite obvious and every single time I'm howling because he's so on the money I like the way different generations deal with having the builders in. First of all, you've got boomers and they're very happy to have them there. The builders would have said they'll arrive at seven o'clock in the morning. So the boomers would have been up for two hours anyway. And they'll get on well, they'll chat, they'll make them tea. And the boomers and the builders will bond over the fact they've both got the loudest ringtones known to man. Then you've got Gen X. They'd like to sort of talk to the builders on their sort of level, letting them know that they, they are pretty good at this sort of thing and tell them about all the DIY they've done. And they'll also sort of strangely change the way they talk to match the builders for some reason. Then you've got millennials. Their life is basically being turned upside down by the fact the builders are in. As soon as they stepped foot into their house, they were absolutely livid. And they instantly started dreaming about this dreamlike impossible future where the builders were no longer in their house. Then they'll look back on this time and talk about it, similar to a prisoner of war talking about their experience. Then you've got Gen Z. I imagine they would just carry on acting the exact same way. Wouldn't change anything about the way they dress, talk or act to the point where the builders will probably start to question whether the Gen Zers can actually see them or not. I mean, it's just so brilliantly on the money, isn't it? I mean, having had builders in the house for six months, you know, we were we were trying to, you know, make friends with them. And, and my children, both Gen Z, I absolutely get that. Whether, you know, I think the builders thought they were invisible to them. You know, they'd come and go in and out of the shower, in their dressing gowns, making breakfast, literally as if the builders weren't there. Was it, I mean, he's... Every time he's so on the money with it, it's really very clever. Yeah, no, it's really clever and super funny. And as a Gen Xer, I mean, I don't try and talk like the builders, but I think I'm aware that myself and my friends who've done up properties were all a bit like, yeah, we can get on a level with the builders. We can talk their language. You know, we know DIY. We're really capable people. (laughs) I just felt that was so familiar. Yeah, and it's also the whole... The, the whole Gen X thing is a bit like, well, you know, I could absolutely do this myself. I just haven't got time. But, but you know, it's, it's my time. So I'm paying you to do it because I'm far too busy. But, you know, I just want you to know that if you needed me to, you know, put in that electrical circuit and yeah, you know, plaster that wall, that gutter, yeah. plaster that yeah. wall, I'm totally all over it. I could do it. So it's clearly a thing, isn't it? Different generations have different attitudes and outlooks on life. So we've dug a little deeper to find out if this is reflected in the decor choices. And I just feel like the place where I want to start is with the Gen Zs, because they're probably the ones that I know the least about. So just remember, the Gen Zs are people born in between 1997 and 2012. So the older ones will be 26 and the younger ones will be like my son. He was born in, he's he's just missed Gen Z. All the way down to teenagers. 
I don't know if we've got a name for the next ones, but yes, my sons are very firmly Gen Z. They were born in 2001 and 2003. So they're 20 and 22 and they're fully in it. And interesting because, well, one's back at home having been a student and the other one's just moved out. And my 20 year old, I mean, I know he's an art student, so not to stereotype, but, you know, he's he's very much into his surroundings and he's all over Facebook Marketplace and picking up, you know, free things. And so I looked into this and obviously that is the generation that that's that's very aware of sustainability I think, I, do you know what the thing that i found most striking before we get into that the thing i found most striking about this generation is they're really young these are teenagers early 20s and yet they are really invested in interiors that's the first thing that i found quite shocking and i think this is a shift from generations that went before because i remember when i was a teenager yeah i mean i used to like to have a really nice bedroom that was my sanctuary it was really important to me but actually it was really all about going out and having experiences and you know um yeah it was def- i was more focused on going out what i was wearing who i was meeting but what I sort of read about was because of this extraordinary time of COVID and lockdowns and pandemic is that this generation has really been brought up with a really heightened awareness of how important their interior spaces is. And as a result, they're really invested in it. And this is, people know this because the amount of content they're putting on social media yeah, it's huge, about their isn't homes. It? Yeah. yeah, exactly. And this is where it's all happening on TikTok, TikTok Instagram. <laughs> You're so on it, I'm TikTok. so not. On on that uh, Insta talk, yeah, they're all over it, sharing their interior design inspiration. So I thought that alone was quite different from me as a Gen Xer. They're getting into it much earlier. I thought what was interesting as well was this this notion that they sort of reject what we grew who grew up, if you like, or who started with Instagram, where it began very much as a kind of slick photo aspirational beautifully styled and the gen z have sort of rejected that they want it kind of raw and unstyled and diy on tiktok and and not forgetting of course well they're not the first generation there are they're, they're too either too young to own or that may be something that's that's out of their reach um so it's about decorating in a way that you know you can makes a quick change or you can move around with you it's very affordable it's very flexible so I mean it's partly as a result of circumstances yeah of course so so everything has to be affordable cheap easy to turn around um it also the bit of research I read said they're less likely to listen to experts which I nearly spat (laughs) my tea out actually (laughs) having made a career out of being an interiors um expert isn't that just because we're their parents yeah exactly so they're not going to go to the experts for their DIY and their interior design advice they're going to look to other influences so it's this whole generation which again because of social media that wasn't around when we were younger this whole generation who is going to form their ideas and opinions and knowledge based on other people who are doing it alongside them rather than looking to the older generation for advice and expertise so I thought that was uh, that is really interesting isn't it I really like that the sort of terms of the trends obviously you talked about sustainability when this is this is the generation that is the most aware of climate change but the other thing is individualism and I think that again is very key for this particular age group that need to stand out from a crowd so I'm really pleased to see a lot of their interior design kind of influences is all about making a really bold splash be that mural art or upcycling a piece of furniture 
doing, like you've already touched on this very hands-on DIY craft mix with the design element, but it's a real, this is the generation of self-expression and doing things differently. That's what got me quite excited about this generation. It's really interesting that that individualism, because just to sort of jump ahead with the millennials a bit, I think that was perhaps the IKEA generation because it was affordable. It was easy. It was flat pack. We'd not had that before. And, you know, there was definitely a point in the 90s where you could sort of walk into someone's house and think, oh, is this mine? Is this my house? Is this a neighbor's house? Oh, I've had too much to drink. I'll just sleep on this sofa. It's the same as mine. And it's really interesting. Obviously, each generation is going to try and find a point of difference with the one before it. But that that Gen Z have rejected all that kind of homogenized, and that they are the because they're DIY. They're going to be the generation of we can afford to buy IKEA, but we're going to hack it, we're going to remake it and change yeah. it. The other thing I thought were quite interesting in this sort of like pursuit of individualism was they love quirky pieces, and, and it came up like, do you remember when we talked to Matt Saberry, the head of Pinterest, about trends? few months ago now earlier in the year and he talked about mushroom motifs being really fashionable yeah and I am seeing it on the high street and everything lots of mushrooms around it's a very gen z thing to want a funky mushroom light well all that funky weird the funky weird so we can pin that it's on it's their fault that our high street is full of glow up mushrooms and weird wobbly mirrors oh the other thing that made me laugh is i saw something on the internet that says that they love nostalgia and mixing different nostalgia so they like 90s wall stickers i thought oh my god was that a thing because that'd be my generation who came up with the 90s wall sticker and 70s conversation pits well we'd all like a 70s conversation pit to be fair there's you know we'd all like that yeah it's interesting so i think in a nutshell there's this sort of bright colors yes murals stickers individualism but perhaps all against a backdrop of a white wet rented wall because they don't own it mm, yeah interesting so now we'll go are we going up we're going down we're going to the millennials next so they were born 1981 to 1996 I can't do the sum. So they're in their 30s and 40s now, aren't they? Yeah. Late 30s, early mid-40s. So some of them, I mean, they'll be caught depending on where they are in that that time frame. Some of them will be homeowners, some of them won't. Some of them will have children. Yeah, little kids, I think it is. It's um, newlyweds and little kids, isn't it, the millennials? That's where they're at. And of course, the first thing that springs to mind, well, the first thing that springs to my mind was, of course, the old millennial pink. Because I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. I mean, over pink. over the years, it's turned into blush and plaster, and it's still obviously a really strong mm. color story, whatever your generation. But you know, I think I think we forget for a while it was called millennial pink, and it was massive and with it with its brass and marble. That was a really strong trend for a long time, wasn't it? The Carrera marble, brass or rose gold. It was kind of like a pastel minimalism, I kind of think, because it was all quite clean lines, wasn't it? And yet there was that sort of natural materials and stone and wood. And I think the millennials also like a bit of, you know, sustainable natural materials. Um, but I read about them and I thought this this seemed to resonate, actually, that they might live in smaller houses or smaller spaces or not be able to afford the big family homes that they perhaps want. So they like a bit of multitasking furniture. They like a bit of repurposing, you know, so making clever use of space. The multi-purpose thing is quite interesting because I thought, well, this is the generation who is probably the first to really take on working from home and flexi working. Yeah. Because I don't see our generation, Gen X, and certainly not the boomers, as 
a generation that was brought up with the concept that they were going to spend half their week working from home. So yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? And I think as a result, aesthetically, that's why it is a bit more of a simple, pared back, cleaner aesthetic than I think what we're going to get onto when we talk about the Gen Xs. You know, a home feeling quite well organised and calm and so that's why these sort of pastel colors and mid-century as well god everybody loves a bit of mid-century but i see (laughs) see it quite a lot with the millennial decor you know like that scalloped pastel velvet chair on little brass legs i see that as being quite uh, i hate that chair (laughs) (laughs) you're not millennial enough kate i'm not i'm too old to be a millennial um it's and i think of brands like you know made.com and west elm yeah absolutely talking to them it it is that if you can't afford the real mid-century which i mean gosh very few of us can to be honest but certainly for the millennials you're buying that that look aren't you yes it's Mm, clean it's pared back uh, it's got those little touches of mid-century but unless you're very lucky or you've inherited you probably haven't got the original so that's the kind of like the paired back rose gold mid-century pastel minimalism as i'm decided to call it but then you've got this other really strong trend which i think is is not just uk but you see a lot with uk designers and influencers is this kind of slightly granny chic slightly stuffy old-fashioned traditional florals ruffles wallpaper all of that going it's on. it's really interesting that because that was kind of the first thing i thought about when we did throwing it right back to bc before covid and we now and we and, and we are both gen x but we're we you know there's an age gap between us and we did our trip do you remember our trip to elfen in morocco and we went for dinner at I believe it was Jasper Conran's hotel or his restaurant. And I remember walking in and you were going, oh my God, look at those chairs with ruffles on. They're amazing. I must have them. I want them. And I was going, oh my God, that looks like my mother's house. Um, and, it, and, and that, I guess, is where you get, obviously, the sort of the, the flex between the two ends of the spectrum. But I absolutely see that millennial thing and there's there's a lot of chairs with ruffles and florals and almost that kind of, mm. are we going to call it that new maximalism or they're having a go round that they've sort of discovered floral chairs and ruffles, whereas I imagine the boomers are looking at them and going, well, wait a minute, we invented that. But it's it's come back round. It's all the Laura Ashley, isn't it? Yeah, at total granny core is back round. And the other thing that really fits into that, which I think a lot of us will be familiar with, with those sort of crystal chandeliers. I always associate those with Laura Ashley. Mm. You know, not your crystal chandelier from your actual stately home, but the ones on the high street, which were hugely fashionable for a while. Yeah, I see that more as a Gen X thing, that chandelier. I, I, think, the, I think the millennial... Oh, uh, maybe. Well, maybe it's that crossover. Yeah. But I think all that rattan and scalloped edged everything, everything's got a scallop on it. It's really Matilda Goad. I'm thinking like Louise Rowe, Laura Jackson, these sort of... They're all millennial kind of influencers, designers who love, they love a little Mary Jane sandal and a big kind of like... Collar, a big collar. (laughs) Collar and a... And you know what? I just don't think my generation, I just can't do that because it's not ironic on me. I actually just look like an old woman if I wear... Yes, isn't that the key? Whether it's fashion or interiors, 
of when it skips a generation mm. because there's there's if you're just taking from the generation immediately before you as you say you run the risk of looking old or out of date <laughs> you've got to skip the generation well no i think they have so they haven't they have skipped the generation they've gone they've taken the boomers, boomers but we yes. can't take the boomers oh i see what you're we saying just look just, out of date yes okay. so we would have to go back to a generation which, oh there's a real science to this yeah well i think we would have to go back to a generation which perhaps hasn't got a fashion marketing name <laughs> well there is one isn't there the what the pre-boomer do they call them the silent generation 1928 to 45 oh well i was going to say we'd have to go back to sort of art deco and, yeah. and make that our own um and so <laughs> interesting will gen z so the question is will my children take my interior design style and so to to come back to my younger son who's an art student and he's furnishing his house and he came across on Facebook Marketplace these people who were giving away all this furniture. And he's managed to pick up for free this incredible Victorian tapestry screen. And I was like, you have to give me that. I want it. I need it in my house. And he was like, no, no, I don't think that's your style. You don't like that kind of stuff. And I was like, have you looked at the house you grew up in, which is full of antique Victorian furniture? But he's jumping that generation. So he thinks that he thinks Victorian cool. stuff is really cool. Does yeah. he? Loves it. A Victorian loves tapestry it. screen. We're currently having a fight. I've got to offer him. Apparently, I can have it if I can offer him a good enough trade. But so far, all attempts at trade have, have been rejected. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> on it oh I love that I love that so that brings us to Gen X which is where you and I sit in and that is for people born between 1965 and 1980 and when were you born I'm 74 gosh oh there's quite a big difference between us. quite in the middle yeah yeah I was born in the 60s were you I'm quite early so I was thinking though you know for me I was thinking well I was a generation built brought up with changing rooms yeah that's what I thought was on my formative years. And it was this kind of like really exciting time of being a bit of a fixer-upper. Fixer-uppers, property shows. There's also a kind of feeling that we're quite bold and confident. There is that. With our schemes. But there's also, which I, I read and which really resonated with me, you know, there's an element of status in that, you know, our parents had big houses because houses were more affordable then and our generations always I mean of course we're very lucky we've had bigger houses but that's been a sort of it's it there's a bit of status attached to that you know we want a big house but we're also you know we're the sandwich generation so we might have and you're a classic example of this a young kid who on the day we're recording is off school because he's not very well and an older aging parents who obviously your mother lives effectively with you. So you're that sandwich generation. You're looking after people at both ends. So you're tired. You're possibly a bit menopausal and you just want a nice house to do all this stressing in. I'm here for that. I get I think it. it's interesting because we are it. the generation actually who had our children later. That's been a, a real thing, hasn't it? And so consequently careers have come earlier but then so has the wealth that that affords to buy more property, fix it up. But then, yeah, as a result, when you get to my age, yeah, it's all getting quite exhausting. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> and also, I guess, as a generation, 
I mean, some of us, obviously, we're, we're, we are talking to a podcast audience and we work very much in the digital world. But I think there's an awful lot of our generation who don't do Instagram. They certainly don't do TikTok. Their inspirational magazine is coming from, as you say, TV mm. shows. Old media. Or, Old or media, magazines. isn't it, Kate? Yeah, yeah. It's print. It's print media, it's TV shows, or possibly from, you know, from actual real life friends. Mm. And I wonder whether that sort of notion of, oh, it's that keeping up with the Joneses, Mm. oh, my neighbour's got a kitchen island, I must have a kitchen island. There's, I wonder if we are more status conscious than the other generations. I think you're kind of right. And then that, and then because we've lived through the property boom of flipping property and your your home being your biggest asset and investment. An asset, yes. It's an asset, you're right. And so then all our status and success is then also tied into this asset yeah that's so interesting isn't it and and you come along also there are those things you see again and again in houses of that generation and you do see them on instagram or and in magazines but it's you know it's kitchen mm. islands it's pantries Beat it's rooms. conservatories <laughs> but we might rebrand it as an orangery it's crittle windows it was the bifold <gasps> sliding door oh, we I the mean, bifold see... sliding door generation Well, I found a really interesting stat, Stat Queen. Go on then. That out of all the generations, Generation X spends the most on their homes out of all the different generations. And that would perhaps come to the status thing, wasn't it? That's, Mm. that's, but I wonder that, I mean, this is a whole, whole different thing. Are we the generation, and, and you know, obviously we, we love everybody to get involved in these conversations, are we the generation that define ourselves not as who we are, but what we are, what we do, Ooh, yes, and where we live? So are we defining ourselves by that? Whereas I think younger generations might be a bit like, no, this is who I am. I own, you know, I own myself. I'm proud to be who I am. And we're a bit like, well, I'm, you know, just look at my house and then you'll see who I am. Yeah. And, and I think also I there was a point which I came across, which I thought was really interesting, working from home. So we might have had to fight for the flexibility to work from home, or we might have been that generation. You know, when I had my kids, the job I didn't meant it was difficult to go back to an office and I worked from home. So we might have a home office. We might have an exercise bike. We might have those sort of... Multi-purpose spaces. Yeah. and, And, you know, it's not a gym because we're not perhaps rich enough to have a gym, but it's it has the accoutrements of a gym in it. It's, you know, it's that sort of home thing. But also we want to be different from our parents. So the last thing that I want to say about Gen X, because I actually, I, it resonated a little bit too hard for the comfort for me. <laughs> is, I need a drum roll. Is, Let's hear it. It was said that out of all the generations, de- Gen X are the ones who strive to be relevant, cool and youthful through their expression of interior design. And I thought, oh, no. Oh, no. Is that what I'm doing? (laughs) Yeah. It's fine. I can pass it off as a generational trait and I don't have to worry about it anymore. It's a whole generation. Yeah, and I thought out of all the generations, isn't that interesting? And what impact that has on our interior design choices. And And not only that, we don't stop there. We also want our kids to be cool. So we're really into doing cool children's spaces and cool kids' rooms. The striving to be relevant, I'm interested interested though do you think and obviously we can't know and again listeners weigh in does every generation strive to be relevant when they hit a certain age I mean is that is that just because Gen X is now at an age where we're perhaps beginning to look at retiring or no I think I think it's what we've talked about I think it's the fact that if we look at Gen Z seem to be very introspective 
It's yeah. all about them, myself and I. What do I want? Who am I? I'm an individual. Gen X is much more outlooking. What is everybody else saying about me? What does everybody else think yeah. about my house and my interior design taste? Do they think I'm relevant and cool? Like it's 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 interesting because it does really make a difference to I think how you go about your interior design decor and what was also interesting in this article I read it said um while marketeers are focusing on how to sell to Gen Z's and millennials they should focus a bit more on Gen X because we're the most insecure spending the most amount of money well but I mean yeah absolutely but also we are of an age I mean this is where you know you certainly see it with fashion we have in theory cost of living crisis aside got more disposable income so actually people should be selling us stuff because we can in theory afford it (laughs) and we haven't got the time to do the crafting and the making well and we're that classic generation aren't we it's like we can't just throw money at it (laughs) what do they call it cash rich time poor exactly exactly (laughs) so then we come finally to the boomers and that will be our parents yeah so these are people who were born in in between 46 and 1964 so war war babies as my mother likes to refer to herself born after the second world war and i suppose a lot more of a traditional approach to homemaking would you say this generation or what we consider more traditional homemaking well i think perhaps a generation are they the the last generation who who perhaps didn't don't see the need for change for change's sake Mm. whereas i think all the other generations are changing perhaps if you're gen z because you're bored and you want to mix it up if you're gen x because you're worried that you're no longer cool and you must redecorate um (laughs) are the boomers like you know this is what my house looks like it it, you know it's slightly perhaps that sort of post-war mentality of if it ain't broke don't fix it if it hasn't worn out i don't need to replace it but also why am I thinking and spending time on money on the colour of the walls or the decoration? This is my house. This is not This is not the be-all and end-all of my existence, perhaps. Mm, yeah, I think that's really interesting. Although it's also, yes, I agree, not quite the quick turnaround of trends, but was it the inception of trends, this concept that everybody, yeah. you know, everybody could have a beautiful home, whereas before, if you go back sort of pre-war, war and pre-war, it's like, no, only really rich people have nice stuff in the houses and everybody else just has a front room where you might have a cabinet that displays the best china that only comes once a year but other than that you know it was it was it was not a thing to be designing your house to to, to sort of like express any kind of sense of trend or, or self-expression. But but interesting, you mentioned when we were having a little pre-chat about this topic, you mentioned in the 70s um, that programme, The Good Life. Mm, oh, I love which that. Which I don't know how many people are going to remember that, but it was set in the 70s. It was two couples who lived in a very sort of smart area of Surrey, which is a commuter belt. And one couple decided that they were going to go, it's called The Good, well, they were called Good, but they were going self-sufficient. Tom, so and, they, Tom and Barbara, remember Tom them Tom well. and Barbara were going self-sufficient. They put the dungarees on, they got some animals in their front garden, you know, and, and much to the horror of the neighbours who were very smart. Margot and Jerry, for anybody who remembers. Margot yes. and Jerry. And Jerry worked in London. And But what made me think about that is I think they would be now, well, they are that boomer generation. And actually, the Margot and Jerry's house was very status because if you remember, Margot, who didn't work, was expected to cook dinner for Jerry's boss. 
and for mm. Jerry's work colleagues. And so the house had to look nice. It had to be beautiful. And she for dressed for dinner, didn't she? She oh, was absolutely. always dressed impeccably and going off to the hairdressers to get a hair set. And it was very much about keeping up with the appearances. And I remember my mother do I mean I was very small before my parents got divorced, but I do remember my mother sort of coming into my bedroom in various caftans mm. and saying, <laughs> you know, you may you may look at me before you go to sleep and I'm going now to host yes. people for dinner. You yes, know, I you may look at my me. mum doing that as well to give me a little fashion show. Do not yes. touch me, but you may look at me. Yes, yeah. at how splendid I look before I go downstairs to dinner where everyone's going to have canapes and then they're going to have courses and then there's oh, going to yeah. be there's always the... cold soup <laughs> cold soup do you also remember and this is going wildly off topic but it makes my kids howl with laughter and this is a post-war thing do you remember when a glass of orange juice was a starter you probably don't <laughs> remember that you you see you won't remember that oh my goodness Brilliant. Yeah. It was so precious, orange juice, that you could order it as a starter in a restaurant and it would come in a tiny glass. And still to this day, that was so ingrained in me because after my parents divorced, we lived with my grandmother and she would have orange juice that we could sort of have on Sundays. And and she would she would put it in a jug and you were only allowed the tiniest glass. And I still sometimes catch myself looking at my children, you know, glugging cartons of orange juice straight out of the fridge. And I'm going, stop that orange juice. You can't have that much. And they're literally like, why? It's orange juice. Literally grows on trees. Oh, I love that. Oh, I love, I love there that. There you go. I've been very Gen Z with my nostalgia But there. you see, I think the Boomers and the Gen Zs have got a lot in common because, you know, if Gen Zs are all about DIY and fixing up and making good, you know, that was my childhood memory. My mum, you know, we've talked about it on the podcast before, but fond memories of my mum doing all the, the rag rolling and the stippling and the dragging and, like, oh, yes. stenciling and um, my dad doing all the DIY it was well, um, I guess, they were very Tom and Barbara, my parents. I guess if 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 Gen Z are ever able to to buy their own homes, they'll be rag rolling and stippling to their heart's content, <laughs> won't they? It'll be back. Because these things never disappear permanently. So, oh God, that's been fun. So, you know, what do you think, listeners? Does any of that resonate? I mean, like all these things, it obviously talks to stereotypes, but you know, again, like cliches, there's some truth in all of it. Yeah, I mean, are you are you listening to us chatting and are you conforming to type? We love hearing from you. So do hop on over to our private Facebook members page, which is The Great Indoors Podcast. You find that over on Facebook and let us know what you think about generational decor. Now, before we go, can I just remind you once more about our Great Indoors Insiders Club? And we have an event coming up on the 9th of November where... Sophie and I are going to be hosting a live webinar. So do sign up at thegreatindoorspodcast.com to get the link for that. We love meeting you all, whether it's in real life at events like DecorX and also in the virtual world as well. So if you sign up to join the Insiders Club, you can come to our virtual little cocktail party or coffee morning, depending on your time zone, and we can chat all things interiors, ask questions, solve a few design dilemmas, 
dilemmas and generally have a lovely time. So sign up and look out for the email. And we'll be back next week with our regular star surgery episode. So don't forget to tune in to that. And on that note, you can always send us an email, preferably a voice note, to help at thegreatindoorspodcast.com. All that remains is to thank our lovely producer, Sarah Cudden of Feast Collective. And to you, our lovely listeners. And we'll see you in the great indoors. 